0: What, how do we exactly keep the Sabbath holy? Now, I say that knowing full well I don't have exactly the answer. Um, I, I wish there was just a verse that said, this is the, these are the things you do to keep the Sabbath holy. We have to look at the whole of Scripture and understand what it means for us and the whole of what God's Word teaches us. But what's really interesting is that of the Ten Commandments, uh, this is the only commandment where we kind of sort of set it aside and say that doesn't apply to us as much, or it doesn't apply at all. We don't have to keep the Sabbath day. Um, that The Sabbath day is the only one of the Ten Commandments that isn't repeated in the New Testament. The Sabbath day is the one uh, that uh, Jesus demonstrated in his examples that you really didn't have to keep uh, legalistically. Um, the church doesn't celebrate uh, the, the traditional Sabbath, the Saturday uh, we celebrate the, the Resurrection Day Sunday, and uh, so Sabbath as, the, as a commandment doesn't really apply to us, and the whole point of these theories that we've had here is to, for us to understand what does the Sabbath really mean and what really does apply to us, and one of the, I think, the mistakes of the church and the sad reports in this church to, uh, the church today is that we tend to just take the whole idea of Sabbath and throw it out. And um, let's look and see really what the God's Word has to say. So that's what we're trying to do in this class. So let's pray as we begin. Lord, thank you for our, this time that we can be together, time that we can look at your Word, that we can ask your Spirit to teach us and to lead us into all truth. Time for us, Father, to uh, examine our own hearts and see if there be any wicked way in us. And Lord, I ask you to forgive us and reveal it to us. Lord, time for us to stop and to hear the still, small voice of the Lord. Lord, I just pray that today that those things would be true for us. And as we look into your word and your commandment, we pray that you would help us to know anew and to understand anew what it is that you intended from the very beginning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll take you to uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20 and Genesis chapter 2. We'll start with Genesis chapter 2, but... You can flip over to keep your finger in Exodus 20. Um, If you recall, we've been to this verse a couple times now. In Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. In verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God created and made. So, from the very beginning of creation, uh, we find that God's pattern, of God's intent, of God's decree, was that the seventh day be a day of holiness, that it was sanctified by God himself. And, And it tells us here exactly why it was sanctified. God set aside the seventh day, the Sabbath day, because... God had completed that which he set out to do, and he rested from all which he had done. It says all he created and made. God saw a need for there to be a time to consecrate that which was created. So out of work, we find rest. And as you recall from the very beginning of the study, that without work, there really is no rest. What do you rest from? There is a work, there is a creative process that God gives for all of us. And in the midst of that, at the end of that, God says, there needs to be a sacred day, a consecrated day, a sanctified day, set aside. And God, you'll notice here, created this, uh, or declared the seventh day uh, in the context of that which he had done. Later on, is revealed to us that the Sabbath uh, is made for man and applied to man, but God, first and foremost, said it was his day. Uh, if you recall... Well, uh, you weren't there, of course, but I mean, you recall from the passage, uh, there wasn't anybody around when God declared the Sabbath day. There wasn't anybody. He hadn't made man yet. Uh, God just did it for himself. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty powerful. You know, this isn't about telling, telling anybody not to covet, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to lie. Uh not to have any other gods before them, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, no, this is simply declaring that there is a day out of God's creation that is holy in and of itself, that there is, there is in God's very uh, economy that which God intended from the very beginning to be a sacredness to a part of the creation process and, and the part of, of uh, remembering the creation process. There is a part about God's very character that requires that there be a stopping. That it requires there be a reflection. That there requires that there be a rest. This wasn't originally made for man. The Sabbath was originally made for God. God set that aside. And then God made man how? In his own image. God Implanted in the very heart of man that which God required for himself. Now, I realize uh, in this discussion that we can get a little anthropomorphic about God, you know, and, and, and give him godlike uh, characteristics, I mean, manlike characteristics, but God himself does that. Uh, it's just we have to understand that God never ceases to be God, that there is not because God rested not because he was tired and weary but because God saw a need for, for the creation process to, to cease and for God himself to reflect upon the goodness that he had created. It is part of God's nature. And so out of that we find that God has blessed man by allowing us to share in the rest of his creation. That God has allowed us to enter into his rest, that we have read in in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 last week, that in our belief, that in our trust of God, that we could enter into his rest. And God tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 that the nation of Israel, especially as uh, uh, as they escaped from Egypt, that they rebelled against God, and in their disbelief that God barred them from entering into that symbolic rest of the promised land. They weren't allowed to enter their rest because of their unbelief. And that took us back to asking us the question, what is it that God wants us to believe? Because without believing God, we cannot fully enter into His rest. And we looked at some of those things last week. We saw that uh, unless we believed that God's promises were, uh, were sufficient and that God would keep His promises, we couldn't fully enter into His rest. We saw that uh, unless we believed that God's ways were better than our own ways, we could never fully enter into His rest. It's important that we understand that in believing God, ultimately we have to believe that God intends all things according to the kind intention of His will. And that even the hard things that He has for us are better than the best things that we could ever plan for ourselves. Unless we believe that, we can never fully rest in God. And so when we come to the very commandment that, God, that Moses gave to Israel and God, of course, gave to Israel through Moses, we find here in these Ten Commandments a necessity for us to choose to believe that in keeping of these commandments, that God will bless us more fully and completely than if we choose to rebel. We have to believe that. If we don't believe that, we could never keep the commandments. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He wasn't just talking about the things he said on this earth, he was talking about the whole of God's counsel. So now we come to um, Exodus chapter, chapter 20, and we come to the fourth commandment, beginning in verse 8. This is uh, by far uh, the um, longest of the uh, uh, commandments. It has the most narratives, it covers four verses. I realize there weren't verses in the original Hebrew, but the, the number of words in this are by far the longest of any of the ten commandments. And uh, it has explanation to it. And so we, uh, you know, you can pre- contrast this to verse 13. You shall not murder. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. doesn't need any explanation. Well, it does actually, but not here. But look at verse 8, verse down through verse 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God, and in it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourners uh, who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and did what? Made it holy. Well, you notice here, The first part of this command tells us that we simply are to remember. We're to remember the Sabbath day. This is not God declaring the Sabbath day. This isn't God creating the Sabbath day. This is God telling his people that they are to remember that which God had already declared to be holy. And that we as a people, God's people, were to keep it holy. And he goes on and he describes here how they're to keep it holy. Uh, And it says... You shall not, in it, you shall, verse 10, you shall not do any work. You are your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or sojourner who stays with you. Now, the key question here is, what sort of work are we not to do? Well, there's a great deal of, of description in uh, in the uh, Pentateuch, in particular, um, the um, Levitical law that describes what kind of work you can do. And then later on, the uh, rabbis added uh, reams of description, we all know that, how many steps you could take in a day, you know, uh, and all manner of things that you could do uh, or not do during the Sabbath. And even Orthodox Jacques, Orthodox Jews today attempt to uh, to adhere to those, uh, those rules. And uh, we're going to see in a moment uh, how Jesus debunked a lot of that. But we do know here very clearly that that there is to be no work done on this Sabbath description. So we ought to ask, what is what applies to us? Well, let me just suggest to you that the idea here is work. The work here that is described uh, is really about the occupational work. It has to do with with labor to, to 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 make a buck primarily. The things that we do in the normal course of our of our of our week and our day. Um, if you take it to extreme, you can say, you know, lifting your 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 fork to your mouth on Sunday morning is work. You're expending energy. Uh, we need to be careful about that. That's where the rabbis went. You know, anything that you did that constituted activity, the the burning of calories constituted work. And where is that going to leave you? Uh, sort of tied up in knots and, and and skinnier on Sundays, which might not be a bad thing. Uh, but this wasn't about fasting. This wasn't about This wasn't, in this case, it could include fasting, but it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the ceasing of all activity. It was about going about life as if nothing changed. The idea of, of, of working here is like Sunday or Saturday, whatever day, we'll get to that in a minute, that the Sabbath day is just like every other day. Don't let it be that way. There needs to be a cessation. There needs to be a time of refreshment. There needs to be a time when, when we actually stop doing what we would normally do on a, on a, a, a regular day. If our Sabbath time is uh, nothing more than uh, every other day of the week, we've missed out on the whole purpose of Sabbath. There needs to be a time that we stop working. And we'll, we'll cover this in a bit, a bit more. But notice here, it says, um, <clears throat> uh, we are to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. All the work that we're to do is our, in our occupation, in, in, in staying alive and caring for our family, is to be done in six days. And um, it also extends to our entire family. And we, it's important that we see that, that. That Sabbath day is, above all, a family day. There's a lot of talk about family, and there should be, about the sanctity of the family, the care for the family, the uh, adherence to being a family, the definition today of what constitutes a family. But notice here that the context of Sabbath is all about the family and the community around the family. So it says here, you're not allowed to work, but it says your son or your daughter are not to do any work, and the servants are not to do any work, and even your animals are not to do any work, and if anybody is staying with you on the Sabbath, they're not to do any work, the person who is sojourning with you. Now, I kind of like the part about the sojourner not doing any work on Sabbath, because does that mean that they stay with you any other day of the week, that you can put them to work? Uh, Maybe so. Uh, We had the uh, Barnabas team with us last week, a couple sweet young things, and uh, girls, and uh, who was with us, on Dan, uh, uh, um, Helen and uh, Dominique. And um, they uh, clearly were not farm people, you know, horse people. And um, that, so, so we took them up and to um, show them the horses. And uh, um, this was Saturday, wasn't it, I hope it was, it was Saturday. And that's why I mess up here. I'm sure it was. Anyway, we took them uh, and showed them the horses. And we said, you know, it's kind of evening, and we got to clean up around here. Um, you're not doing anything. How about helping out? You know, and they, uh, they. Well, we've never shoveled manure before. You know. <laughs> well, today this will be the first time you get to do that. And we gave them rakes, and they started raking, and there's a little bit of the time. Like, uh, so that's well. Let me help you. I'll give you some technique how to how to <laughs> how to rake up manure. You know, and we had a great old time. We put our sojourners to work on. Huh? Did you realize that? But it wasn't it wasn't our Sabbath time. But anyway, Sunday though or whatever day you you set aside for your worship time, don't put your visitors, your guests, to work. Because why? The whole purpose of this is that God himself, it says, made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed it and made it holy. God already made the day holy. Our responsibility in this context is for us to recognize that It is a holy day, and that that which we do or not do on that day um, either continues to honor the holiness of that day or profanes that day. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about whether this is Saturday or Sunday, folks. I'm perfectly fine. In fact, I believe that the the Sabbath day for the Christian church is is Sunday, the day that we stop and celebrate the resurrection. that's perfectly fine. Uh, not only fine, I think that's the way God intends for us. Uh, the point here is, is there ever a day of rest, a day of, of, of quietude for us? And in this class, we've talked a lot about um, moments of rest. And I'm, I'm really big into this. I think that moments of rest mean a lot. That we should stop in the middle of our week. That we shouldn't wait till Sunday. You recall as we looked in Genesis chapter 1, after every creation day it says God saw that it was good. That that God stopped in the midst of it. We saw that Jesus stopped. It says, the the scriptures tell us that Jesus would often slip away to pray and to be alone. That the the quiet times are really important for us during the course of the week. In fact, if you recall as we've looked at this, the conclusion is that if we never rest during the week, we'll never be prepared to rest on the Sabbath. It needs to be the culmination of not, uh, the cessation of our work and the culmination of our periods of rest even during the, the, the work week. So God calls us to a day of rest. Now, what does that mean exactly? I mean, we can't do anything? No, I, I, I don't get into that. And, uh, oh, we'll, again, we'll see that more clearly. But what it does mean is that God intends for us to stop doing what we normally do, for us to have a time of quiet, a time of holiness, one day a week. Has that really changed? Is there anything in Scripture that says that we're not to have a day of quiet? I don't think so. That principle is still powerful, and it is a command. Uh, Look at the consequences. God felt so strongly about this command that um, he gave some very uh, explicit Uh, instruction. And uh, turn to Exodus chapter uh, 30. Uh, Hang on a second. Ah. Why am I having trouble with this? Oh, 31. Yeah, went to the wrong chapter. Chapter 31. We uh, look at verse 12, thank you, George. Beginning at verse 12, and it says, "The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my commandments, my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you." So here we find uh, a specific reason for the Sabbath, and it says here, It is a sign between me that is God and you through your generation, that you may know that I am the Lord." When we stop and have Sabbath, it is a time to reflect on the person who made this entire universe, the person who created all things, the one who made us, who cares for us and loves us. That is the sign of the Sabbath. Therefore, verse 14, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person should be cut off from among his people." For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath and celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from, his, from labor and was refreshed." Well, this is a wonderful passage except for the part about stony people. Yes, David? Policemen, firemen, hospital workers. What about them? They, they work. Yeah, Sundays. They, they do. And um, life goes on on Sundays. And um, I'm not telling you that that uh, um, the Sabbath, the Sunday that we celebrate today has to be has to be uh, like the law of Sabbath. that that everybody has to do Sabbath on Sunday. I'm just simply saying that that is a, um, that that's a pattern, that there's a day for worship for the church, and that uh, I believe that we should do everything we can to come together and to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together and to have a special day. If your work doesn't permit it, uh, my counsel is to do everything you can to change that. I recognize that sometimes that can happen. And if, if you have to work on a Sunday, uh, is there another day that can be set aside? It doesn't, I don't think it has to be Sunday, personally. Um, but the problem is, if you work on Sunday and there never is a day of rest, are, are, are we following the principle of Sabbath? Uh, that's a personal decision. My counsel is, find a day. Make sure there is a day. You bet. Uh, having two cops in our family, I understand. Okay, completely. Uh, it's just, there are times when that happens. All right, what about here? And Notice here it says... Um, verse 15, it says, there's a Sabbath of complete rest. A Sabbath of complete rest. Not a partial rest, a complete rest. Um, there needs to be a day that we just stop from doing what we normally would do. Now, does that mean you can't go out and do some gardening? You know, you can't go out and, and uh, uh, do some little thing here? No, I don't think that's the idea. The idea here is that we, that we stop from our occupations. That we stop from doing that, which is essential for, our, uh, for the maintenance of our lives, and that we do that which is restful and brings us into the very presence of the Lord. Yes, Dottie? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting to that. What about the part about being put to death? Because this is specifically God's commandment to his people in the, in the context of their wanderings in the wilderness. Uh, in, and... Um, it is, um, uh, in particular, in this time, uh, it was critical that the discipline of the Sabbath be um, adhered to in the nation of Israel. They had serious issues around, around uh, worship already. They had very serious issues around rebellion. Uh, if you recall, uh, these are the people that couldn't even let Moses go up onto the, uh, to the mountain and receive the Ten Commandments without worshiping the golden calf and on and on. Uh, God knew their hearts, and God knew that if he did not emplace upon them incredibly strict um, rules for their behaviors, including the, the, uh, uh, the recognition of Sabbath, that uh, they would fall into chaos and into further rebellion. And so God held up some people as examples. Uh, I was looking in preparation for this, and I couldn't find any example, and you can help me if I miss this, um, of anybody actually being stoned for not, uh, for not observing the Sabbath. Um, I was listening to Dennis Prager a while back, who is an Orthodox Jew. He likes Christians, but he's not. And uh, he um, was explaining, um, it says, you know, that this is the same passage, the same law tells us that if uh, a son rebels against his father, that he's to be taken outside the city and to be stoned. Remember that? And... Uh, Dennis Pringer was explaining um, the way the rabbis looked at that. And uh, he says, to his knowledge in the history of Israel, there's never been a son who rebelled against his father who was taken out and stoned. That it was never understood to be that which was to be um, rigorously carried out. It was to be that which is to to, to state in almost hyperbolic terms the importance of, of, of honoring your father and your mother. And that there are consequences of not honoring your father and your mother that are equal to death. And if you're not physically uh, stoned, the separation that is created by uh, the um, dishonoring of the father uh, is um, uh, uh, a death-like experience. So that's, Prager, that's Prager's experience, you know, and, and his explanation. Um, I don't know, I, I'm not going to speak to you one today as one who knows this, understands this. All I know is that in the nation of Israel, stoning was a fairly um, uh, uncommon uh, event. Um, It did happen. Uh, It certainly did happen. Um, Let's see. uh, Numbers um, chapter 15. Um, Let's see if I can find this. 15. Yeah. Yeah. Look at uh, Numbers chapter 15. Uh, I did find this example, so I'm going to take that back. I forgot about it. Yeah, verse 32, and it says, While the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. And those who found him... See, I forgot I, forgot I had this in my notes. Forgive me. And while the, um found him um, gathering wood on uh, the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation... And they put him in custody because it had not been declared what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord commanded him, commanded Moses. So there you have it. Uh, there was a guy gathering wood on a on, on Sabbath day. And the people found him, brought him to Moses, and said, look, uh, it says, it had not been declared what should be done to them. Up until this point, apparently, nobody had ever been stoned for gathering wood. He wasn't the first guy to have done it. They just found this guy doing it and said, we're going to drag him before Moses, and uh, we had to determine what are we really going to do about this. And Moses says, well, you remember the Sabbath? You remember God's command? Uh, we really mean it. And the guy was taken out, and he was stoned. So it does happen. It's, uh, it did happen. But uh, to my knowledge, that's the only example that we can find in Scripture. Let me rephrase what I said earlier. So, I don't know, Dottie. All I know is that in the Jewish um, history, it was a pretty rare event. And in the New Testament, uh, Jesus, I think, makes it very clear that that's not to be the pattern for us today. And we can look at that. Let me just answer a couple questions before our time gets away. Um, I want to take you to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And we're going to begin at verse 10. Luke chapter 13. This is the story of Jesus uh, healing this this woman on the Sabbath. And Jesus, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now, I really appreciate this passage because I've I've asked myself, should I be teaching on the Sabbath? (laughs) on the day of rest, because it feels like work. Uh, How many times, Cindy, have I said going home, you know, uh, I'm exhausted, you know, not just from Sunday school, maybe I've done other things during the day, and you're tired, but Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, "'Woman, you are freed from your sickness.'" And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. This is one of the wonderful stories of Scripture, isn't it? A woman who was bent over, undoubtedly, probably rheumatoid arthritis, and she could, couldn't even stand up straight. She says that way for 18 years. She was all crippled up. Her hands were probably curled up. She could barely even move around. And Jesus saw her and said, Woman, you're freed from your." And immediately, says, she straightened up, stood erect is what it says. And the synagogue official, verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the multitude in response, there are six days in which work should be done, therefore come during them and get healed, and not during the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox? or his donkey from the stall, and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said this, all the opponents were being humiliated, and the entire multitude was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done to him. Well, notice here, um, the synagogue official complained and said, uh, therefore come during the come and get healed, and do and not on the Sabbath, verse fourteen. The irony here is that the Jewish officials were so caught up in their legalism they failed to realize a couple really important things. Jesus' teaching teaching was okay, it was work. Um, but and, and and taking your or your oxen to get water on a Sunday and a multitude of other things were okay. But doing the most wonderful act of mercy and kindness was somehow seen as um, an evil thing. And Jesus' response was pretty blunt. And this is one of those responses, by the way, that uh, uh, doesn't fit with the Jesus meek and mild. Jesus is pretty harsh here. And he says, you hypocrites, don't you even know that you can lead your ox for water? This woman, who was a Jew, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had oppressed through this sickness, shouldn't she have been released from this bond on the Sabbath? Jesus is simply saying, what better thing could be done than an act of mercy, an act of kindness, an act of grace, an act of healing, than that which is on the Sabbath? I think what we see here is a a picture that the keeping of the Sabbath and doing no work has to do with the work that profanes the holy. Let's understand this. It's not a matter of not expending energy. Sometimes the greatest energy we could expend all week long might be an act of mercy and kindness and grace on a Sunday afternoon or your other whatever day is your holy day of the week. That could be the hardest work you do, all whether it's emotional or physical. Understand that. What makes us profane Sabbath? A couple things come to mind. Number one, we profane Sabbath when we fail to recognize that there's a holy day. We never do anything at all. We don't even think about it being holy. We could profane Sabbath by doing nothing all day long on Sunday, or whatever day, let's say Sunday, and come to church and worship and all that. We could still profane Sabbath because we never give it a thought that it is a holy day. What makes holy, what, how do we keep holy holy is, first of all, recognizing where the holy comes from and the purpose of the holy. I don't know. It seems to me that maybe we'd be better off calling Sunday Holy Day. Or calling Sunday Holy Day. Let's keep it in mind that it is holy. We profane it when, when, when we don't even give it a thought. And we profane, secondly, I think, the holy day uh, when, when we do work that is, nece- that, is, that is necessary for sustenance, and we never have any other time, we don't make it up somehow other, other way. Um, just doing a day like any other day is profaning the holy day. We find other examples, by the way, of Jesus... Doing uh, work on Sunday, as you know, Jesus going through the fields and picking the grain, and remember that. But go to Mark chapter two. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark chapter two. I want to look at verse twenty-three. Starting in verse twenty-three. Yeah. beginning at verse 23. And it came about that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, See, here, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to him, Have you ever read, never read what David did when he was in need and became hungry, Uh, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God in the time of uh, Abiathar? the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and he gave it to those who were with him, and he was saying to them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Consequently, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, you notice here, it says uh, that um, the Sabbath was made for what? Man. Not Man. The Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for our benefit. So, this is a key insight for us to understand why Jesus wanted us to remember Sabbath. It is why God intended Sabbath from the very beginning. Why God called it holy is that God might call us into His presence in a special way on a Sabbath day. That God might cause us to reflect upon His uh, holiness on that Sabbath day that we might keep it holy. Ultimately, the Sabbath day keeps us holy in an interesting way. As we keep the Sabbath holy, the Sabbath keeps us holy. In what way? It doesn't make us any more qualified to come before the presence of God. It doesn't make us any more righteous. No, it just brings us into the presence of the Holy One and cleanses us as we stop and reflect upon Him. We're made holy because we honor that which is holy. Does that make any sense? I, I hope so. I hope it can at least make some sense for you. Um, let me just leave you with this. Our time's about up today. <clears throat> Mark Buchanan, in his book, The Rest of God, speaking about the Sabbath, says this Jesus' Sabbath keeping always looked to his enemies like Sabbath breaking. That was one of the many ironies of their accusations against him. People who know nothing of rest accused a man whose every word and gesture came from rest of Sabbath breaking. To Jesus, he was simply fulfilling the day's true intent. His were acts that sacralized, that's the word that we can use, that sacralized the day, kept it holy. He gestures, his, his gestures enshrined the day as a gift bestowed on us Shaped into a gift to give back to God. To Jesus, these were the means by which Sabbath is preserved, held pristine, protected from both erosion and incrustation. I love the way he expresses this. He says, His gestures, Jesus' very words, enshrine the day as a gift bestowed on us, shaped into a gift to give back to God. Jesus' work on the Sabbath was holy work. Jesus' work on the Sabbath wasn't work in the sense that God prohibited. It was divine and holy work that that reflected the holiness of that day, of doing that which glorified God, uh, that lifted him up, that healed people. And it is in his gestures, in these activities, that actually enshrined the day and and kept it holy for the sake of the Lord. Folks, uh, the last thing we want to do is make Sabbath legalistic. Last thing I want to do I don't want to keep score. <laughs> I don't want to, to try to measure every little thing. I just want to ask God to work in my heart and, and ask, and for me to ask, am I setting a day aside, not just a moment, as important as moments are, but a day aside, when it is God's, and I give that back to Him. And the, and the activity that I do in that day, whether it's recreation, whether it's shoveling manure, whether it's, whether it's quiet reflection before the Lord, whether it's time with family, is it a holy time set aside for the Lord? Is it his moment that I'm celebrating before him and giving back to him as my gift to him? Am I keeping that which God intended, that God made Sabbath for, for uh, his, uh, his purpose, that we might know the holiness of God in ways that we couldn't at any other time? I hope so. That's, that's the message of the Sabbath. I pray that um, we don't take that Fourth Commandments, and just throw it out and say, oh, it doesn't count for today. I think it needs to count today in its special way more than ever before. Lord, thank you for this day and your love and care for us in these moments. Lord, I thank you that when we break the Sabbath, that we're not taken out and stoned. Lord, in a real way, I, we deserve that as we rebel against you. But Lord, in your mercy and your grace, you redeemed us and made us whole and made us holy. May we reflect your holiness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.